Michael Pryor was at a ruckman. He was often at the feet of the big men, trying to win the ball as a player. Now he's in charge of taking this West Coast Eagles AFLW team up the ladder in season 2023. There's been a lot of uh, conjecture and debate around the competition. The good news is it's only three or four weeks away from commencing. Michael Pryor's with us on Sports Breakfast. G'day, Michael. Good morning, Jacob and Wayne. How are you? We're well, just thanks. Just listening into your ruck conversation there and moved across to Melbourne as a youngster, finishing my plumbing apprenticeship with Peter Somerville, another ruckman from the Eston Footy Club. So there you go. Did he play in the 93 flag? Yes, he did, yeah. Yeah, very yeah. Uh, very handy player. Gee, Essendon had some good ruckmen then, didn't they? I mean, I know that Peter uh, Paul Salmon ended up going across to, to Hawthorne, but he was a, a pretty important player, and um, they, they had a few important rucks in that era. They did, yes. And uh, it's a pretty hard job, isn't it? Jump up and tap a ball, but... Yeah. <laughs> We pay, pay tribute to them on Fox this week, which is great. <laughs> ah, yes, yes, we do. Um, and a lot of the time, and I, I mean this at the greatest deal of respect to all the rucks out there, but they can be very simple folk, the big blokes, can't they? Yeah, they always say it takes them a long time to, to get their stuff together, which um, yeah, is an interesting comment in itself, but that's the way they operate. So, yeah, important part of the game. We love rucks. It is, it is. Uh, um, the season ahead for the uh, the AFLW and for the West Coast Eagles, Michael, it's been a... Been a strange off-season, hasn't it? With the uncertainty around the competition, the length of the season, when's the season going to start? Just must be nice now to have some clarity, as you've had for the last few weeks. Yeah, finally we we got some clarity on what our season looks like and our length and when we're starting and all that sort of stuff. And um, I, I suppose it's a bit of a... For the players, they really needed to know as soon as they can because obviously some of the girls still have full-time jobs and they need to... You know, put their schedules together and what that looks like in season, whether they need shifts covered and all that sort of stuff. So that was the, the issue for the for the players. Um, but now we know what we're doing and it's full steam ahead and can't wait for a month's time when we get started. What's your squad looking like, uh, Michael? I mean, because, you know, it, it, it's slowly developing. I mean, we've had this academy and we're seeing the kids now that have started earlier. There'll be a new wave coming through and a new set of skills maybe. Yeah, it was an interesting year because um, the draft, the, the most recent draft, was the same pool of players that were in the, the draft before that, um, if that makes sense. So we actually didn't go to the draft. Um, we retained 29 of our players on our list, which is fantastic, and we gained Amy Franklin across from Fremantle. So um, we saw some huge growth in our young players last year, and we go into this um, season ahead as the equal youngest team in the competition again. Um, and we're relying on our group to develop and get games into them and, and in, you know, move forward in that direction that way. So, um, yeah, we've had a good off-season. We've had a good pre-season to date, like every other club in the competition. So we just can't wait to get started. What do the next few weeks look like? Michael, do you have practice matches? Do you have inter-club? How do you set up the next few weeks to get to the, the season opener, the Derby? Yeah, we do. We had a uh, intra-club last weekend and um, we'll have another one this weekend, just increase the time that we play. And then um, we've got a couple of hit-outs against Fremantle and Essendon to finish us off. And then we have a bye uh, the week before we start, um, round one, a uh, derby against Frio. A lot of talk about the fixturing and how it works. How have you come out of it? Yeah, I think um, you know, it's a really tough job for the AFL to put together a competitive fixture with... Um, Obviously, 18 teams, and you only play 10, 10 games. So we're really excited about our fixture and, and the potential that we've got to do well. Um, and we know that moving forward, that there's going to be more games um, in, the, in the upcoming years. So, and as those, you know, those games, we play more games. It'll eventually, hopefully, get to 
we play everyone once and then it become a real even playing field. Um, yeah, but we're happy with what we've been dealt for the year, the year ahead. Michael, you've announced Emma Swanson, who's your back-to-back club champion. She's going to continue as captain for a fifth straight year. But I guess the other news there is that uh, Bella Lewis is the, the vice-captain. So she's made a, a rather stunning start in the last few years to her fledgling career, and she's now been appointed vice-captain. Yeah, it's fantastic for, for obviously, Swanny as our captain. She, she does that role so well, and um, the players vote to who they want in their leadership group, and um, Swanee come out on top, and, and yeah... To see uh, Bella Lewis's face when we announced that she was the vice captain, there was a bit of shock. But um, you know, and then what, you know, she said to me, "Am I ready?" I said, "Absolutely, you are." The players, um, you know, they, they voted. They believe in what you do and what you bring to the group. So um, she starts her journey in that leadership group, and we also have um, Dana Hooker, Jess Sedgenary, and Ash Mack part of that leadership group. So our leadership group's gone from three to five this year, which I'm really excited about. We've got a good mix of. Um, experienced heads and some younger ones in Bella Lewis as well. You've created the balance by not going out and drafting too much. Have you got, I, I think Shani Davison is that one that's come back from an ACL. Have you got others yeah. that have sort of, they're, they're like recruits because they've been out? Well that's that's right, we have. We've got, obviously we've got Amy Franklin who come across from Frio then girls that we had on our inactive list last year because they had knees uh, were Kelly Gibson Lauren Wakeford and Shani Davison so they missed the whole of last year. I think um, Gibbo did her knee in the first 10 minutes of round one. So um, they all come back in. And so they're like new recruits for us as well. And Evie Gooch, who missed all of last year with a wrist injury as well. So we've basically got five new players, although we've only picked one up in the draft. So, yeah, really exciting to see what those girls can do. And they're all going really well at the moment on the track. So it's exciting. Fremantle round one, great opportunity to start the season uh, with a win and the uh, only short derby history so far has been very one-sided Fremantle's way. I'm sure you're looking forward to a, a breakthrough win, no doubt. Yeah, it is. It's exciting to play a derby early and um, we know Fremantle have been such a good team in this competition over the years. and um, We think we're on the rise and we're, we're coming and we're going to have a little bit more success in the upcoming years. So what better way to start it in a derby in a, in a month's time would be great for our group. What about the expansion, and we know now, and, and this will be, I think, the second season that we've had all 18 teams in the AFLW, the expansion's been talked about, and whether it's been too quick, and that uh, in turn creates a discussion around the fixture, and it's clearly not fair because you don't play everybody once, but the expansion of the competition to now all 18 teams, have you seen that as a positive? Oh, I think it's good. I think all clubs obviously want it because they, they got um, you know members that are female and they're interested in female sport and that sort of thing. So all clubs really push for it hard, and I think there's, you know, the, the game has gone so far ahead in the last, I think we're in our eighth season now. So the growth in female footy's been huge, and um, you know, I think we're just at a stage now where we're just waiting for, um, you know, the, the standards and everything just to catch up a little bit before we keep progressing. But um, I think it's really exciting that every club's. Um, got a team in and that's yeah it's, it's the fixed string is an interesting talking point we could talk about that for hours but um, you know as I said before a tough job to schedule uh, matches but um, I think the way the AFL do it it's a good system it, it works and um, it's only going to get more even as we play more games um, so yeah I think it's exciting and, and it gives um, you know a, a lot of the younger players now and even young girls down to Auskick age that you know they can see that there's the growth in the female sports going ahead and it really gives them the passion and drive to keep playing footy and, and doing well because they can see at the end of it there's there's a career for them and you know by the time some young girls that are starting footy now get to the competition 
they'll be able to make a pretty handy living out of it. So um, in that respect, it's it's worth doing. Yeah. Well put. Is there an ideal length of the of the season? Do you think can we find a middle ground? Because I think everyone thinks that ten rounds is too short. Do you think there's a, some middle ground that can be found down the track? Yeah, I think there will be exactly what that that is. I don't know. I think um, you know, and it depends what um, full, you know our girls are, and the, the females are looking for full-time football that's where they want to take it um what does that look like for for the girls competition is it 14 games is it 15 games who knows i think it's around that mark um obviously the the money's got to be there for the girls to give up work um but yeah i I think ideally it would be get to a point where you're playing everyone once so that would be 18 games but i think it's going to take us a little time to get there Michael, you played for, for West Coast. You also you played most of your AFL football at Essendon. Uh, your two former clubs meet this weekend. How did the experience differ at the two clubs, at Essendon and West Coast? Oh, look, over at Essendon, I obviously went over there as a, as a 19-year-old, I think it was, and, and spent eight years over there. And um, we had some you know, good success in the time that I was there and um, played in the grand final, um, which I was emergency for. Um, but the experience of um, winning lots of the games of footy, playing on the MCG as your home ground was really exciting. Running out in front of you know eighty thousand people on a weekly basis, you can't sort of beat that. Um, and then coming back to West Coast, which was the team I supported, you know, before I got drafted. Um, I suppose as a kid, it was something that I really wanted to do: is play for West Coast, and you know, to be able to do that. It was an era, you know, around that two thousand and one, two thousand and two, where the club wasn't going too well, but. Um, to put on the jumper was really exciting for me and um, I wish I was able to play a few more games. I think I played the first seven in 2001 and did my knee again and then only managed another two before I pulled the pin. So I'd like to think that you know what I'm doing now with the girls and helping them develop is um, sort of making up for the, the lack of game time I played when I should have been playing a few years ago. Um, the experience with uh, Kevin Sheedy, I mean, we know what an influence he's had on the game and that, but what was he like behind closed doors, you know, with, with sort of fringe players and and the way he sort of treated the whole squad? How, how did you find that? Yeah, I, I really appreciate Sheeds and, uh, you know, he gave me a start in AFL footy, so I, I can't thank him enough for that. But, um, yeah, I think he was pretty even across the group. And, and as a coach, and this I'm finding out as I've, embarked on that journey it's really tough to to spend the same amount of time and have the you know the same conversations with all the your playing list mm. um and there's always going to be players that feel like they're left out for one reason or another and and generally it's the players that are playing in the team so um to have a conscious effort to to go around and talk to those players and i think sheets did it well it was obviously a different era back then that we weren't um full time at that point so we still had jobs and it was a little bit harder um, to get around, have those conversations. But overall, I, I think he did a, a great job, and um, you know, I've taken a lot out of what I learned with my time at Essendon under him into my coaching as well. So, is that empowering a lot of your your other coaches? Because I know, I think at that time there was a fellow named David Weirden that was involved in Carl, uh, sorry, in Essendon, and so so the reliance on your part of the, your coaching staff and and the re- their responsibilities. Yeah, absolutely, and that's, uh, I think that's a, a massive part of an assistant coach is obviously you, you probably spend more time with the players and particularly your your line that you um, look after. Um, but what I do know is the players, you know, they love the interaction they have with their line coaches, but they really want to hear from the senior coach. So mm. 
that's the challenge for whether it's me at AFLW level, AFL coaches, coaching Waffle W, Waffle teams, it doesn't matter where you coach, to get around to all your players and have conversations and show a real genuine care and interest in them as people and as, as football and build those relationships. So, um, yeah, I think ultimately that the players really want to hear from the head coach. Michael, to finish, um, young Jackson, it's been a pretty challenging year for him to break into that very strong Brisbane team. They're in Perth this weekend. Um, where's he at with his footy at the minute? Yeah, he's had an interesting year. He's, um, yeah, he's come in and played a game and then gone out and then come in and gone out again a couple of times. So, um, But the attitude he's shown has been fantastic and he's put together a real solid six weeks of footy in the VFL over there. And um, yeah, so there might be a chance this weekend we'll just cross our fingers and wait for the teams to come out a bit later today. But we hope he comes across and we get to say hello and, and you know, but I think, um, yeah, tough side to get into. Brisbane are going well, top four team, not losing a hell of a lot. Um, but, yeah, all he can do is play good VFL footy, and that's what he's been able to do. So um, you've got to take your hat off to that because it's pretty easy to, to drop your bundle when you're not in the team. So, um, yeah, we just keep pushing forward, and hopefully he's in the side sooner rather than later. Yeah, handy player to have uh, in reserve, no doubt about that. Michael, good luck as you prepare for this uh, AFL women's season for 2023. It promises to be an exciting one for the Eagles. Good luck. Thanks for having me. Thank you, guys. Bye. Michael Pryor with us here on Sport FM, former uh, Essendon and West Coast Eagles player.